Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. When you come to Jesus Christ, you don't take your head and go, pop it off in one of the pumpkin stands here or whatever, and you serve God from your neck down. When you serve God, it includes your mind, your intellect. It doesn't just stop with emotions. And that's one of the great dangers of being in a church that believes in all the things of God. Some churches are so much into the emotion, there's no time to go through the word verse by verse. You've heard it said before in your life, it was a great service today. We didn't have time for the word. Hello? There is an entire industry built around attractive signage painted with verses from the Bible or inspirational words about Jesus. People often put them up because those particular words evoke an emotion, usually warm and pleasant. The word isn't meant to merely warm the heart or provide temporary inspiration. It's designed to slice, divide, and cut away those parts of us that are in rebellion to it. True love for the Lord goes beyond collecting spiritual novelties or going along with meaningless traditions. It's a desire to know His Word so that we can be obedient, showing our love through our actions and desires to draw near to Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 28, with part one of our message entitled, The Bible in a Nutshell. You go into a store to buy something, and as you're there, you notice it has to be assembled. You look on the side, you're looking to see how difficult it is, and you look on the side and you see these little words. Some assembly is required. Ever been there? And you take it up and you go to the clerk, and the clerk says, well, for 25 bucks, we'll assemble it for you. But being a he-man and a he-woman, Mr. and Mrs. Toolman, there's not a chance you're going to pay anybody. You're going to take it home and do it. So you take it home and you take the box and you set it out. And the first thing you notice that's a little discouraging is when you pull out of the box, the parts page is two pages long. Ever been there? And then you look for the instructions and there's this book in there. And it's six pages of instructions in four languages. You ever been there? And then you look to see, well, what kind of tools do you need? And you need seven tools to put it together. And always one of those tools you don't own. So about four hours later, your Christianity has been severely tested. You look at the box and it said, some assembly is required. And you wish you'd have done what? Paid the 25 bucks and been far ahead because what you've assembled doesn't look at all (laughs) like what's in the box. I like to go into a place, I look in the side of the box, it says a little bit of assemblies required. Take A and put it into B and it works. That's the kind of stuff I like. Well, this morning, this actually a lawyer is going to come to Jesus. He's going to say this. Is there a way to take all the commandments of God and put them into part A or part B and, and make it simple. Can, can the whole Bible, can all the commandments of God be put into one nutshell? 
Well, let's look at verse 28 as Jesus responds to him. Mark 12, verse 28. Now, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, this young man was a scribe, a teacher, a Pharisee, a lawyer. He had been watching Jesus. As Jesus was asked questions by the Pharisees, by the Herodians, by the Sadducees. And it says that this young man liked the answer that Jesus gave when he debated the Sadducees. You remember the Sadducees, as we talked about, were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the afterlife. And he loved the answer that Jesus gave to him. Being a lawyer, it, was, it just had these steps that really fit into his heart. So he comes to Jesus... Now you have to understand in those days, the daily life for a person trying to keep the law was very, very difficult. You know there are ten commandments. But the Jews in the Mishnah explained that, that they took those ten commandments and they expanded that. And if you were a devout Jew in those days, you would have 613 commandments to obey. Do you think that would be a difficulty? How long could it go before in the day that you broke a bunch of them? 613. And even with that, it isn't enough because 365 of those were negative. No, don't do it. No, no, no. Only 248 were positive. One negative for every day of the year. Isn't that positive? One negative. Now, we have a new puppy, and I've never said no more in all my life. This last week, it's been no, 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 no. Well, this is what the Jew was used to in those days. And so the debated question was basically this. Is there a way to weigh those commandments? Do some of them carry more weight? Are they, are they more important than others? Is there a way? There's no way I'm keeping 613. Do some of them have more weight and substance to them. That's what the young man is asking. And the reason he's asking this is because it was a debated thing. They knew they couldn't keep them all. They were so frustrated, they were hoping there was a few that would float to the top that they could keep just those, the ones that were maybe major. What he was really saying to Jesus was this. Can Jesus, you define for me in simple terms how to follow God. That's an interesting thing. Can you define for me in simple terms how to follow God? Well, look at verse 29. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, before Jesus even answers the question to this lawyer, he makes a bold statement. It's called the Shema. In Judaism, it's found in Deuteronomy 6. You see it there, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It was a creed spoken by devout Jews in the morning and at night. It was a statement that Jesus was going to say, and he was going to say this, Before I talk to you about any commandments, you have to realize that there is only one God. Do you think most of the world believes that this morning? No, there's many gods. So Jesus says, All the commandments are based on one thing, a relationship with a personal God, the only God there is. Now, 
for the Jews in those days, they practiced the same, but they did a lot of other things. One of the things they do, and they still do today, is this little uh, mezuzah. It's kind of a ceramic, the one I have. There's some that are gold and some that are silver and metals and so forth. And in the back of this is a little split. And they would write this Shema on there and put it inside. And then they would take this and they'd pop it on, for instance, their door post outside their home. And what it says is, when you go through, you put your hand on it. And what it says is, the Lord our God is one. And as you walk into this house, what that means is everything in this house is whose? It's God's. Now, they said it. They didn't really believe it. They weren't acting on it. It was more form than it was anything else. Many of you wear a cross. You wear it because it's jewelry. It doesn't mean anything to you. That's kind of what was happening in this day, in this age. So, Jesus says, since there's only one God, let me show you now how to love Him. Look at verse 30. And Jesus says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Take your body this morning, take a, an imaginary knife, and just split it right down the middle. Just split it right down the middle, and then cut it this way. How many parts do you have? Four. So Jesus says, if you want to love God, here's how you do it. Four areas of your life. Four aspects. We'll go through those quickly. By the way, the word, the Greek word there all means the whole of. God isn't interested in saying the left right hand side of you is to love God. The rest of the three quarters doesn't matter. He means I'm going to divide it for you, but it has to be the whole. Every part of you. First of all, he says our heart. That's our desires, our affections. I encourage you to take the notes as we go through. The heart is the center of one's desires and affection. This is where we decide for or against God when we combine it with our will. This is the place where you make a determination to serve Jesus Christ or refuse to serve Jesus Christ. It's the heart. Now, God calls for us to not give Christ a place in our heart, but to love Him with all of our heart. Second is our soul. That's our will and our emotions. Jesus says, when you're going to really love me, it will include emotion. Emotion is important. As we drove here this morning on the field over here, it was like foggy and in the dark. The soccer players are already the kids. They're playing soccer at 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, those are the same people that say, you have a what kind of a service? 8.30. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, really? Well, hello. I'm going to find a way somehow to pipe the music <laughs> to that field, including the sermon. Don't you think it's a good idea? Man. Somebody come up with a way. We'll do it. So, hey, they got to find out what's happening here. And anyway, we got a bigger crowd than they do. Why not? God's good, isn't he? What Jesus means here is this. And by the way, as you're looking at these four things, I want you to look in your own life this morning and say this. How am I doing with my love for God? Are all four parts of this in unison? Am I really loving God the way I should be? Are you loving God with all your heart this morning? Second, is there any emotion? In other words, when you come into church, I love you, Lord, and I lift my hand. There's no zip, there's no fire, there's nothing. Reminds me of a cartoon. You, you remember Charlie Brown, don't you? Charlie and Lucy are talking, and Charlie says this, What a tragedy it is that there's so much apathy in the world today. And Lucy responds, Yeah, man, it's really terrible. And then she says, 
But who cares? <laughs> See, apathy means this, without passion. When you think about your serving of God, are the only times you're excited is when you're in church? When there's great music? Or can you be excited driving in your car, taking a shower, prayer time? You see, there should be some passion in your heart for serving God. Number three, our mind. That's our intellect, our thought capacity. Loving Jesus, when you come to Jesus Christ, you don't take your head and go, pop it off in one of the pumpkin stands here or whatever, and you serve God from your neck down. When you serve God, it includes your mind, your intellect. It doesn't just stop with emotions. And that's one of the great dangers of being in a church that believes in all the things of God. Some churches are so much into the emotion, there's no time to go through the word verse by verse. You've heard it said before in your life, it was a great service today. We didn't have time for the word. Hello? Didn't have time for the word. What grows you? It's the word of God. One of the greatest mistakes Elijah makes is basing his relationship on feelings. You cannot base your relationship with God on feelings. It must be on fact, on the word of God. So it goes to your mind. The whole word speaks about your mind. Bible tells us that God wants to renew my mind. He wants my mind to be like the mind of Christ, to think like the things of Christ. When you sit down and finally understand, and I'm seeing now all the scientists come forth and start and say, well, you know, we can't really believe this evolution could never happen. No, kid. We're back to the creationism. Christianity makes sense. When you begin to study it and look at it, you'll see that it makes sense. Now, there is a danger. You can only go so far with your mind. You will never accept Jesus Christ with your mind only. Because when you accept Jesus Christ, it is the right thing to do. It, it is logical. But there's a time and a place that you must step forward in faith. You see, to accept Jesus Christ takes a step of faith. And that comes from your heart, not from your mind. Lastly, we see here something very interesting. It's called strength. I'm to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's my physical capabilities. That's my service to God. One commentator says this, Christianity is not just a heart dedicated to God or a soul full of passionate love for Jesus or a mind committed to thoroughly consider the word of God, but Christianity must also be fully lived out. To love God with all our strength means to love God in all that we do, energetically serving God. So when I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, it's all of me. It's all those parts of me. And Jesus is saying to this young man, every aspect of your life should be involved in serving God. Nothing should be held back. We'll see tonight when Elijah goes and he anoints Elisha. Elisha I love. Because when he anoints Elisha, Elisha in his life, as we'll study it as we're going through the book of 2 Kings, Elisha is a guy that goes for it. He says, here's a challenge, I'm going for it in the power of God. That's what God wants in your life. Most of the church today sits, they're spectators. They sit and soak and sour for an hour. They just sit. They're not excited about Jesus Christ. Now that's not true of this church. We have so many people serving, it's wonderful. But what happens is Jesus says, I saved you. I came into your life. I, you're supposed to love me. Now do something about it. Here's some activity in your life. So you can see it includes all of me. Now, Jesus says we're to love God. What does love mean? In the English language, we have one word for love. It's what? It's love. 
In the Greek language, there's four words for love, four definitions. Which one is this? Well, think about it. When someone says, I love the gators, I was waiting for a response. (laughs) When someone says, I love the Seminoles, is that the type of love that Jesus is talking about here? No. When you say, get this service over, I want to go and I love to eat steak. I just love a steak dinner. Is that the kind of love Jesus is talking about? No. If you say, I love my wife or my kids or my pet or my dog or whatever, is that the kind of love that Jesus is talking about? No, it is not the kind of love. See, those are eros and phileo. Stargay is another one. The love that Jesus is talking about, it's this. It's agape love. Jesus uses one of the Greek words, and it means this, selfless and sacrificial love. It's a love that no human has. You can't love this way. Well, why would God say love this way when I can't love this way? Because he's the one that puts that kind of love in your heart. You can't love in a selfless and sacrificial way. That's the love of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to see how it's defined sometime, just turn there. You'll get discouraged after reading the first sentence when you see what kind of love it is. Now, remember we told you I like something if you take part A and put part B and it works together. Here's part A. Jesus says... Here's part A to all the commandments of God, part A. If you love God, you will love God first with all of you. Now, in the Ten Commandments, we know that the Ten Commandments are broken up into two sections. The first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with our vertical relationship with God, a personal relationship with God, how we treat God, how God treats us. That's the first four. Well, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is equaling those first four Ten Commandments. It's a vertical relationship. That's part A. It has to do with my relationship with God. But there's more to that. The second part we see in verse 31. Let's look at it. And Jesus goes on and he says this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, there is another part, and it's a horizontal part. It has to do with a neighbor. Now, first four commandments of the ten had to do with God. The next six had to do with how you treat a neighbor. Now, who is a neighbor? The real definition for neighbor is anyone that God brings across your path that has a need that you can meet. Now, some of you say, Pastor Mark, you don't know my neighbor. (laughs) I'm supposed to love them? I told you you couldn't do it. Without who? God's love. You don't know my neighbor. Jesus couldn't live next to him. You don't know my neighbor. Now, I know we've all had that experience, and maybe they think the same way of you. You never know. The neighbor includes my family, a neighbor, a co-worker, fellow believers, even an enemy. I'm to love my enemies. And in some of your cases, that's the same as your neighbor. I'm to love them. So what Jesus is saying is this, part A is God, part B is neighbor. You put them together, the equal one, that's the weightiest part. If you do that, you take care of your vertical relationship with God and you take care of your horizontal relationship with man. If you can do those, all the other commandments, all of them hang off of these two, A and B, put together. Now, what Jesus is saying with this is really this, you cannot love God in isolation. There's no way, if you're going to love God, you can just say, oh, I love God, but I don't care for people. Vice versa. 
You can't say, I'm a really a people person, but I have nothing to do with church. You're not obeying the commandment. It takes both. In fact, First John tells us, if you say you love God and you don't love your neighbor, you're a liar. You have to love your neighbor, which includes our enemies, which brings us to the point of why we need that agape love. Now, notice in this, these part A and part B, there's something very interesting. Jesus says we're to love God more than ourselves. Then he says we are to love others just as we love ourselves. Notice there's something missing. Not once is the word things mentioned. Today in our society, people love things, toys, stock market, money, homes. They love those things more than they love God or people. It's not even in Jesus' definition. Why? Because they don't matter. People that lost loved ones. They take nothing to heaven with them. You see, when you have a funeral, there isn't a U-Haul parked outside and you just take it with you. There's nothing in it. You go by yourself. So Jesus said the only thing that matters is people. So Jesus takes 613 commandments, the Ten Commandments, He wraps them into one, He filters them all through, and He comes out with these two. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice how many of those two parts of this one command are negative. Zero, nada, none. He takes all of those 365 negatives and he makes them a positive. Love God and love your neighbor. That's the kind of God we serve this morning. People look at Christianity and say it's a negative kind of religion. Not a chance. It's positive. So when you see what happens here, I came across a definition this week. I like it. Love is an inner commitment to God that is expressed in all our conduct in our relationships. Quite often I have people come into the office and when I counsel, here's what they'll say. I've fallen out of love with my spouse. This is the kind of definition I bring out. I say, no, love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is a commitment. It's a commitment. Now, the next thing you say, well, Mark, what do you mean a commitment? If I want to express love to my spouse to my friends or to my kids, what ways can I express love to, to my neighbor and whatever? Well, you know, if you're a good neighbor, you maybe bake a cake when somebody moves into the area. If you're a good husband, you take your wife every week on a, a date night. Some of you go, oh, me, quit bringing that up again. No, I'm bringing it up again. You should be dating your spouse. You're showing love. As some of us need to bring flowers more or cards. That's the way we show love to people. Now, how am I going to show love to God? Hello, God. Would you like to go out to dinner next Thursday at 7 o'clock? You know, meet me there. Whatever. Send him a card. Where would you do it? Call him. How could you do it? Well, there is a way to show love to God. Turn to John 14, chapter 14, verse 15, and we'll see how we are express our love to God in a practical, practical way. This is a simple command from Jesus, and here's what he says. John 14, 15. If... You love me, you will obey what I command. In today's message, we heard a lot about love and what it means to love God. Pastor Mark broke it down into four different areas that involved our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. 
While we tend to associate love with feelings, we saw that it's really a commitment to God that is expressed through our actions. When we love Him, obedience should follow. As Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3156. and The title of this message is The Bible in a Nutshell. Again, today's message number is MB3156, and the title of this message is The Bible in a Nutshell. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue to consider Jesus' words about loving God, obeying His commands, and knowing what those commandments are. We have the Word, and it's our responsibility to know it, because as believers we should be continually seeking truth. Pastor Mark will challenge us to think about our own lives in relation to what we're learning. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 